Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElroy. And I'm Jeff Carlson. So we thought we were going to give you some answers about shooting photos with the iPhone 15 and as the iPhone 14 too. It turns out that we've got more questions than answers. So this is going to be an episode that I hope we can present this in a way that people will understand. We came up with a question in our last episode, um, which would be better to shoot in 48 megapixels, RAW or JPEG Max? We discussed this JPEG Max, which is a new thing, um, like Pepsi Max or whatever. Do you have that in the States, Pepsi Max? Like iPhone 15 Max? No, I, I don't think we have Pepsi Max. Or or Heath Max, for those of us in the modern world. Right. The idea – no, wait. No, you do have Heath Max 48. If you're set to Heath yeah. on your iPhone, you can do Heath Max. Right, right. You said JPEG and I was like, oh, right, back in the in the ancient days So I'm of- still using JPEG. Anyway, the, the question was, since these cameras can do 48 megapixels and you want to get all the megapixels, does it make sense to get smaller files with JPEGs or Heaths rather than using RAW? And we've tried some experiments, and we wanted to be able to say, here's what we found, and here's the answer, and we're confused. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's start, as we often need to do, we'll start at a really high level. So, yes, if you have an iPhone 15 Pro, you can shoot 48 megapixel RAW or HEF slash JPEG, whichever your compatibility setting is. And... But not just the iPhone 15 Pro. You can also do it with the iPhone 14 Pro. Don't forget. And the iPhone 14 Pro. You're right. I was making a distinction between the iPhone 15, which will shoot 48 megapixels, but not raw, which I think comes into play here man, because of what we're finding. They've made this so confusing. It is so confusing. But don't worry. Don't worry. We've only started at like a small corner of the confusion. (laughs) I mean, I think think part of what we're getting at is... And in in a lot of ways, this is very un-Apple because Apple tries to make things very, very simple and understandable. And I think they kind of have to an extent. But once you get underneath the surface, even just a little bit with this, determining whether you're shooting a, you know, a 48 megapixel RAW file, 48 megapixel non-RAW, let's say non-RAW, HEF, JPEG, uh, whether it's 24 megapixels, whether it's 12 megapixels, whether it's the camera that has something to do with which megapixel resolution you end up with, the shooting mode will also affect this. Like suddenly there are, you know, literally like dozens of permutations of the question of what resolution am I shooting in? And it's hard to say. If I had time on my hands, I would make a flowchart because there are so many options here. As you say, it's very unApple. When we have 12 megapixels, you shoot a photo, it's 12 megapixels, right? Yeah. You could choose maybe JPEG and HEF at a certain point, but that was about it. I, I want to start with an axiom, like in geometry, right? You have axioms, the mm-hmm. shortest distance between two points is a straight line. My axiom is if you have more megapixels, use more megapixels. But you must have enough storage space. Yes. Yeah, because more megapixels obviously is going to take up more storage and more raw megapixels, that actually doesn't make sense because a a pixel is not raw or non-raw. But if you have more megapixels and you're shooting in raw, you're going to end up with more data and even larger file sizes. Now, 
This was actually slightly easier with the 14 Pro because if you wanted 48 megapixels, you had to shoot RAW, period. Now you can shoot 48 megapixels, which they're calling max. So you can set it to JPEG max or HEAF max uh, and, and get that resolution. So the question that, that we're circling back to is, is that still good enough? Because you're like, yeah, bring me all the pixels. Bring them to me. But is that going to be worth doing? Okay. Now, we spent about 45 minutes before we started recording looking at some photos, particularly some photos that I shot. And I just noticed something that the two photos that we were looking at were not 48 megapixel. They were 12 megapixel. And this raises another question of something that I saw with the iPhone, that even if I set the setting in settings, the settings app and camera to 48 megapixels, it wasn't set to 48 megapixels on the phone. No, 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 no. But that's not it. It's because the ones we were looking at were the ones I did in 2X. So that's why they were 12 megapixels. You see how complicated this is? Yes. Yes. I was using the 2X lens, which would be the 28 millimeters are calling it now. I was using the 2X zoom, which uses the pixel bidding. So it makes it 12 megapixels. And I thought I was getting 48 and I've only got one fourth of what I wanted. And now I'm totally confused. Yes. So, so part of this is you want the most megapixels as, as possible. And I think the axiom here is if you want to shoot 48 megapixels, you need a few things in line. You have to make sure that you have that setting turned on. So in the Photos app, at the top of the screen, you have an option that will say 48 max or 48 raw. And oh no, it says... JPEG max okay. or raw. It'll say JPEG max or raw max, or it will say something like Keef um, max or whatever. The max basically means 48 megapixels. Why they don't put 48, uh, who knows. But because it's not 48, it's up to 48 is what it says in the settings, because it can be 12 or 24 and not 48. Okay, so, so, so make sure that you have the max set and that you are using your main camera, so you're at the 1x resolution. So you, God damn it. Okay. Cut. This go. is, no, 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 keep this going. We're not cutting here. No, okay, uh, okay, okay. We're not cutting. Okay, okay. Uh, I, so, I want people to see how the sausage is made, how confusing <laughs> this is. is. The sausage is terrible here. All right, so yeah. you want the highest resolution possible. You want to make sure that you have the the max setting turned on. So it's not going to have a little slash through it. It's gonna, it, you're forcing the camera to shoot the highest resolution possible. You also want to be at 1x zoom because that means it's using the main camera without cropping or digital zooming or, and I'm not even going to get into like the little uh, 35 millimeter equivalent, like all that. So you're, you're just at 1x and you are in an environment that has enough light that it's not going to shift down to say night mode because a night mode even if you have all those things set up if you're in night mode if it's dark it will just create a 12 megapixel image regardless and that you're not too close to something because then it'll switch into macro and god they've just ruined this camera haven't they <laughs> you know I, I was thinking that with a real camera you know what you're doing right you don't have all these options if you have a zoom lens okay you're zooming if you have interchangeable lenses you change the lenses but you don't have options for resolution. I mean, 
You you do. My Leica Q3 has three options for resolution, 18, 36, and 60. But this is a setting that you set, and it remains until you change it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like, if you change the f-stop, it doesn't change the resolution or something. Whereas it, it's kind of here. If you sneeze, the iPhone changes, <laughs> you know, with all these variables. Is it JPEG, HIF, or RAW? Is it 12, 24, or 48? Yeah. So this is the key to 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 a lot of confusion, I think, is because for the most part, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. Now, yep. you know, I, I, I mentioned having you know the highest resolution and uh, having that max setting so that it's on. If it has a slash through it, then the phone will do what its default resolution is. Now, that also depends. If you are using the main camera, again, at 1x, but you don't have it specifically set to, to the to the max setting, then it will default to 24 megapixels on the 15 Pro and 12 megapixels on the 14 Pro. Okay, so... <laughs> right, right? <laughs> but if there are any of these other conditions, night mode, macro mode, if you switch to any other camera... So the, the, the telephoto, or if you're shooting ultra-wide, those are going to be 12 megapixels. It's not just a flowchart. Like, you need, like, a, 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 spreadsheet <laughs> a spreadsheet to calculate all this. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, I have no interest in making that spreadsheet. Now, no, not, no, not at all. Right. Like, you know, we could, we, could, we, could just make, we could just make this episode really short, put it to the maximum resolution, and just accept that you're not going to get what you expect all the time. Well, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Put it in the maximum resolution and hope. Now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, now, I do want to take a step back and say that you know, I, I, we're we're slagging on Apple for for introducing a whole lot of complication. For most people, they're not going to notice. They're not going to pay attention, and it will more or less give you a good image. I would say almost none of my images have been bad. Okay, I want to say that most people who are happy with those images are not listening to this podcast, and the people listening to this podcast are probably more interested in knowing how to get the images the way they want them. Yes. And are probably as frustrated as we are to know that you can't just go into the settings and expect to get something. Why couldn't Apple have something on the display to tell you, according to the Zoom you're in, what's the resolution? How hard is that? That... That would be very helpful, but it would also be counterintuitive because somebody would be looking at it and they're thinking, I just got this great 48 megapixel camera, and why is it telling me that I'm doing 12 megapixels? Now, that's something that we want to know because we want to make sure that we're shooting the most resolution that we can. Well, we don't always want to, but assuming we have the space, I I want to just give some examples. I took a few photos this afternoon. Here's a photo of a sunflower on the patio. 55 megabytes for uh, DNG 6.3 for uh, JPEG. A photo of the church from a distance, 96 in raw, 14 in JPEG. Another photo from the other side of the church, 93 and 15. And a close-up of the church, 36 and 5 and 36 and 6. And that's the one that was 12 megapixels because it was a 2x zoom. And I didn't realize it, even though I had set to up to 48 megapixels raw, I didn't even know what I was going to get. So most of the time you want that resolution, but then if you're filling up your iPhone, you don't have a lot of storage. 
and you're getting up to 100 megabytes per photo and you want to shoot in burst mode. Wait, you're going to tell me that burst mode can't do 48 megapixels? Because I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't work either. I believe that is correct. I believe if you're shooting in burst <laughs> mode, it's going to... Actually, I don't know. Um, my suspicion is that it will well, not I'm going to put some high. relaxing music on here while Jeff <laughs> tries this out. We're just shooting burst mode in his office there. I'm going to put some relaxing, royalty-free piano music while Jeff tries this out. <laughs> We're all just sing. And the burst is 12 megapixels. Okay. So that's another thing to put in the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet that we're not going to make. <laughs> we're not going to make. Although, although an article... Laying out all these details would be very useful, I yeah. think. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Either for tidbits or DP, DP review. review. Or somebody, yeah. No, that, yeah. That... Because we came into this thinking, okay, we're going to compare the 48 megapixel JPEG Heath to the 48 megapixel RAW. We're going to say one's better, but one's bigger. And this is, it's like shooting RAW JPEG on a camera, on a real camera. You know what you're getting. That's what we expected. At least that's what I expected. Yeah. Um, and we've uncovered so many things that we haven't even gotten to the real problem is that when we started looking at these different photos, just an example. So Jeff is going to put one or two of the photos, the close up of the church, which is actually only 12 megapixels, even though I thought it was 48. Mm -hmm. When I first looked at them, there was a very big difference between the DNG and the JPEG in the Photos app. And then at some point, they started looking exactly the same as if. The Photos app saved a preview of the same one twice. Uh, I took screenshots that I showed Jeff because I figured that might show something that doesn't show in the photos. And it's very clear. You can see that the JPEG has extra sharpening done to it and doesn't look as good as the DNG. But now when I look at the two photos, they both look, I don't want to say bad, but they don't, neither of them looks like the DNG did originally, which looked better. I cannot explain that. <laughs> well, you did point out that um, something like Photomator uses the built-in demosaicing on the Mac, so it's not doing its own demosaicing. When you opened some of these photos in Photoshop, they did look different than they did in Photos or in Preview or in Quick Look. And this this brings up something really interesting. This is like Schrodinger's photos, that what you see on your Mac, on your iPad, on your iPhone is just a simulation of what the photo is that may not be what someone sees on another platform, on another device, an older Apple device, um, or in a different photo editing app. Uh, yes, to an extent. Uh, now, we're specifically talking about raw files there. Right. Um, so, you know, a, a JPEG should, I'm going to put should in giant quotation marks, look the same no matter where you're looking at it. But when you're looking at a raw file, um, I this is sort of the the un unexamined foundation of photo imaging that I think we usually gloss over because it can get so confusing. So um, I'll put a link in the show notes to a review of Photomator that I wrote for DP Review, and one of the things that came up when I was testing it out is I was looking at their denoise tool. And you take a high ISO image and you uh, 
run denoise on it and it cleans it up, get rid of some of the noise. But what I was seeing is that the same image, the same high ISO image in Lightroom or Photoshop, for example, looked different just, just when opening it than in Photomator or Pixelmator Pro for that matter. And the reason is that because Photomator leans on the macOS libraries for raw compatibility, it seems as if macOS is doing its own bit of denoise when it is demosaicing the image. So when it's decoding it from just, just the pure raw information and making an image out of it. So then what Photomator has to do is then clean up that semi-cleaned image. And so that's a long way of, of, of pointing out that there are things that are happening at, at, at a foundational level that you have no control over. You just have to hope that when you open your image, you're going to get something good. Now, I just opened the image that we were looking at, the close-up of the church, that we looked at closely before we started recording. I opened it in raw power, and it looks like the good image that we saw before, which Photos isn't showing me anymore. There's got to be some sort of a cache in Photos or in macOS in general mm -hmm. for these image previews, probably a quick-look cache that is also works in the photos happens and other things. That's what I think. And somehow it's getting confused. That, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, that, that, that actually makes sense. And honestly, I mean, I, I hate to bring this up, but I wonder how much of this might be maybe just some, some bugs in macOS Sonoma. One of the things that right. we're both running Sonoma. Yeah. We're, we're both running Sonoma. You're running on uh, an iMac, right? M1 iMac, yeah. M M1 iMac. I have an M1 Max uh, MacBook Pro. And for example, another thing that I'm seeing, I have a display that's capable of doing HDR. So uh, not the HDR when you're combining images to get a higher dynamic range in the image, but this is the the display HDR where it will actually brighten the pixels in some areas so that you get that that richer dynamic range like on a you know a, a good 4K television set so that my screen will do that so what i'm seeing on my screen is that in the photos app a picture that i've taken with my phone and the phone will default to shooting in HDR that's why sometimes like uh if you're scrolling through instagram suddenly your phone will get a lot brighter for like maybe somebody's video or something. It's because that video was shot in HDR and it's it's boosting the luminance of that to to give you that higher dynamic range because the phone's screen is capable of it and the MacBook Pro's screen is capable of it. But what I'm seeing is when I look at some of the pictures that I captured with my phone, it's it's blowing it out too much. And that's, you know, goes completely against what I want to do because I want to edit the tones of this image, but already it's it's way too bright. So do you want to tell them that we figured out how to fix that problem on an iPhone? Now, I've been seeing this for a while. I don't think it was when the when I first got the iPhone 14 Pro, but at some point after I got it, when I take pictures of Rosalind the cat outdoors, she has white fur, the white's really bright, white clouds in the sky are really bright, and they look unnatural. And I always thought that this was just some weird bug, but there's actually a setting you can turn off to get rid of this problem. Yeah, and actually, I, I think it's been in uh, on iPhones for a few generations now. 
Um, and I mean, it's it's a legit feature, but no, it's not. It is. It is. Clouds aren't that bright. Rosalind's fur isn't that bright. And even these pictures of the church that we were taking, they have bright spots on the iPhone that don't exist in real life. But the idea is when you are viewing it on an HDR-capable device like your television, it will look better. Well, if it looks bad on my iPhone, which is HDR-capable, I don't know. I'd have to look on my television anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, explain. So there's a setting you can turn off. Go ahead. uh, I actually forgot where it was because you found it. Okay. Well, it's in (laughs) settings, photos, HDR, high dynamic range, view full HDR. The easiest way to find it is to open the settings app, drag down a bit to get the search bar at the top and type HDR and you'll find it. So if you toggle off view full HDR, this will no longer, and I quote, automatically adjust the display to show the complete dynamic range of photos. In the camera settings, you can turn off the HDR if you're recording video. So if you go to settings, camera, formats, and then video capture, there is a uh, Apple ProRes option, at least on on the the, the Pro models. And you can choose HDR, SDR, or uh, on the the 15 Pro's log. Um, But... Something something to add to your spreadsheet that there's a ProRes on the Apple Pro models. That's not true. You have to have at least 256 gigabytes of storage to have that ProRes option. Yes. God, Apple, what have you done? <laughs> Give me a real camera with a lens and I know what I'm going to get. And this is like, I mean, you said it before. Most people don't care about this, right? Yeah. Most people are going to just shoot their photos. They're going to be happy or they're not, whatever. They don't care. But this is, I couldn't explain this to someone in any way that makes sense. Because you and I, we've been doing this for a long time. We write explainers. We write how-tos. We have a a series of techniques of how to present the information stepwise through things. You couldn't do this in a linear manner anymore. You're going to have to have a number of H2, heading two level um, headings for if you want to do this, or if you want to do that, or if you're shooting with this camera lens, millimeter length, whatever you want to call it, it's just too confusing. There are too many exceptions here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet, I mean, I'm still going to go back and say, this is a good camera. It does make good images. It's going to it give does. you good results. And in, in some of the, we'll, of course, we'll put some examples in, in the, the, the show notes. I would say that some of what we're doing is pixel peeping. Some of it is being extra critical. However, we did definitely see instances where the the JPEG or the heath is much more crunchy, more more sharpened than the raw image, and some of that you just have no control over. But in general, again, air quotes over all of that, the images are still going to be pretty good. If you want to edit your images in a photo editing app, shoot raw, because then you get a lot more latitude of dealing with shadows and highlights and blacks and whites and things like that. If you're just doing snapshots, well, JPEG's okay. Heath's okay. 12 megapixels is okay. I mean, again, if you got the storage, shoot in 48 megapixels and worry about it later. As we've mentioned before, maybe in our last episode, but every other time we've talked about resolution, the most important thing in resolution is not having the pixels, but it's being able to crop 
um, and have lots of pixels left when you crop. So if you want to crop out half of a 12 megapixel image, you only have six megapixels. If you start with 48 and you crop it by half, you have 24 and you're still going to get detail. Yes. But <laughs> you're still going to get detail. You're just not always going to know which detail you're going to get, which is what's driving us crazy. All right, let's do snapshots. We didn't do snapshots in our last episode. We're not going to do two to make up for it. No, 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 no. We'll do two. You'll do one. I'll do one. How about that? Right. Deal. I I mean, we're not going to do four. (laughs) All right. So uh, I have this thing. When I went to travel last year, I went to Europe. One of the greatest things that I brought with me was a power adapter. And you're like, well, of course, you need a power adapter because some countries have different plugs. However, you can get power adapters now that are not just the, you know, the sets of like the five little plugs that, that go in between your plug and the wall. The one that I'm looking at here, which is an updated version of what I got, uh, it's a company called One Adapter, and it's, a, it's called One World 65. It's $69, normally $75. And it has the adapter part, but it also has, I want to say, it looks like three USB-C ports, two USB-A ports. Um, it, it uses gallium nitride technology, so it's not really very large. What this means is I was able to basically have one thing that I plugged into the wall and I could just run all my little charging things to charge my watch and charge my, my phone without having to you know, have a whole bunch of different chargers and different bricks and all of that. So if you are traveling around, something like this is nice and compact and you still have to have your cables, but anything that will reduce that sort of clutter is a big win. Kirk, what do you have? I'm going to talk about a video game that I've been playing for about a month. It's called Starfield. I I may have mentioned that I bought an Xbox in January. For the first time in my life, I bought a video console and I've been playing Starfield a lot. It's a space-based RPG, which means um, you shoot a lot of virtual people and creatures and spaceships and you travel around space and it's just totally mesmerizing. It's like, it just carries you away. But the reason I want to talk about it is that the photorealism of this game is stunning. I'm going to pick a screenshot that I've taken. It's really easy on the Xbox. You just press one button, it takes a screenshot and you can download it to your devices. Um, to show what this looks like, the landscapes of these planets I think there's 130 star systems and over a thousand planets. And most of them are what they call procedurally generated, that they've set up a bunch of rules to make them look like this. But the, the mountains and the the plants and the, the, the landscapes and the stars and the planets in the sky, it's really beautiful. And I'm, I'm playing this um, on my Xbox on a 65-inch HDR TV in 4K. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really impressive visually. The characters don't look realistic, and that's what's interesting. We still haven't quite gotten there yet, but the landscapes, the settings are just gorgeous. And it's really, sometimes I just fly around to different planets and land and look around that they're really so nice. So it's called Starfield. It's only available on Xbox and PC. So if you've got a PlayStation, write Jeff and complain. (laughs) Sure. I could do a lot about that. (laughs) All right. I kind of feel bad that we did an episode where we don't really have answers, that we show how complicated something is. If anyone has any questions, uh, go to our Facebook group or drop us an email. And if there's something that we need to explain more clearly, 
We could redo the entire episode, but until then, <laughs> we'll be back soon for more. Sounds great. You know, photography is complicated, apparently. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the end. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast. 